0: Welcome to Cyber Signups, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Do you know your GDPR from your ISO? Is your business cyber secure? If not, give agency a call on 03455 760 you can visit their website at www.theagency.com. An agency is with an I, not a Y. Hi, and welcome to the second of the two-part series. Um, These are the shorter slightly shorter um, conversations that I have in and around uh, the topic of cybercrime again. Um, So this episode is really, really going to be helpful for you. Um, I speak with Rory, whom I also met at um, a cybercrime police conference. And what we do today is we talk about the helpline that he's got set up. So you'll find out what you can do once you recognize that something's happened that you've been hacked um that the potential for you not wanting to go to the police and you wanting to deal with the problem anonymously and Rory takes you through really clearly what his helpline is how it works and how quickly you can access it and then how you can get this help all for free so this is about if your email just get hacked if you find that you've got a malware problem if you've been stalked cyberbullied etc cetera, etc cetera, and one of the conversations that we do have is about the language and the way that we actually kind of categorize label name uh, issues and and rory's um helpline it's very very good actually um you can you can type in lots of different things that might have a a vague description as to what's happened to you and this website will help you go through the problem okay what now how do i clean my computer up um gone are the days of uh, it just suggesting that you defrag and do a bit of an antivirus scan but Henceforth, go listen to this episode. This is probably the one of the most helpful ones that you can think of in terms of if you know somebody that's been hacked in any way, shape or form. Um, and Rory's details will be in the podcast afterwards. This was uh, another fabulously help, helpful episode. And, you know, this, this stuff that I'm talking about, as I said last week, I'm not making it up we do need to totally totally be aware of the fact that we're heading into you know where exponential technologies are taking us we're heading in towards a time where it isn't going to be people who hack us it's going to be machine learning uh systems and then people are going to cash in if you don't know how to protect yourself and you certainly don't know what to do now that you have been hacked then this is the episode for you as always um Thank you again for uh, conversations that people are having with me um, in terms of direct messages and emails. And yeah, where, where would you like the podcast to go next? Let's, let's start having a bit more of a conversation um, maybe in the public domain actually. So other people can join in about where you would like some information. I've got lots and lots of topic matters, which, you know, maybe borderline sensitive. Um, They're ones that we do need to discuss and currently, because of the law, chopping and changing, we're, we're awaiting some of these things uh, to kind of come up as a bit more deeper conversation. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. And don't forget, if you have been hacked, you've now got somewhere to go. Take care. See you soon. Welcome to CyberSynapse. This week, I'm joined by Rory. And Rory is the founder and CEO of the Cyber Helpline. So this podcast will be the next in the series um, of, now what? Um, and I mean by that, the podcast that I did with Jerry was when, when cybercrime hits, and this is going to be. And now, what do you do when it happens? So, Rory, you kind of founded, developed this cyber helpline, which is um, seemingly I've I've seen it quite easy to use. But what what is it in its premise? So this is your moment to you know kind of take it as a selling point. <sighs>
1: Great. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. So we set up the Cyber Helpline as a not-for-profit organisation that provides free expert help to victims of cybercrime in the UK. But mm-hmm. not just cybercrime, really anybody who has an online security issue or thinks they may have been a victim of something nasty online. They can come to us and we will help them understand their problem And we do some smart things, which I'll talk through in a second and how we do that. We um, help them contain the problem. So we give them some immediate advice to help them stop what's happening. And then we work with them step by step what they should do to recover and learn from the experience, essentially. Um, It's such a big field because if you think about the cybersecurity industry and you think about the advice that, Individuals in the UK get, they get told, you know, have a strong password, use three random words, they get told, have a separate Mm. password, have antivirus. But actually, there's nobody out there saying when it all falls apart and you've been hacked or you've shared something accidentally or if someone's asking you for a ransom, there's actually no impartial expert advice that says, okay, we're going to guide you through what to do here and here is best practice. So that's what we really yes. to do.
0: Yeah. And and I think from our very first conversation, you you sit on the other side of it, as, as do I in terms of the uh, therapist, that the preventative work is there, but actually it's not going to stop the cybercrime. This is the whole point is cybercrime is such a complicated, nuanced, um, multifaceted System that you can have lots and lots of things happen. So on on the episode with Jerry last week, we talked about there's lots of things that can happen to you, but the recognition that it has happened sometimes prevents people from going and, and reporting. So for example, not that we talked about it uh, with Jerry, but say somebody had been on a, a porn site, obviously mm-hmm. over 18, using the credit card details, and somebody managed to take those credit card details, and now they're finding that their money's been removed from their bank account yeah. so this would be a way of them um, I'm, I'm just thinking because obviously I've seen how the website works uh, a non-shaming way of being able to come and, and find help about it and then being able to go and report it to the police so that the, the kind of statistics are building as well
1: yeah totally and so the way we've architected the help is one it's built for anyone regardless of their understanding of it you know if they can barely turn on an ipad we're still going to be able to speak to you in plain english and help but what we realized is that exactly what you said there there are lots of ways you can be targeted by pretty ruthless cyber criminals that Mm -hmm. play on the fact that they're going to embarrass you and shame you into doing something like They've recorded a webcam with you and they're asking for money. They're going to share it with your partner. You know, so they box you into that corner where you do not want to kind of admit what you've done and you feel stupid. And so yep. we built a chatbot, a chatbot that operates 24-7, which you can use completely anonymously. So you come to the chatbot. It's just a chat window on our website. And it kind of talks you through, one, how to share what's happened with you. It will kind of listen to what you've said. It will do some smart things in the background and diagnose what type of cybercrime you've experienced and then give completely automated advice for what you can do. So you actually don't have to come to an individual on the phone or email or walk into a police station and say, you know, I've been naked on a webcam, this has happened, and I can't deal with the shame of that. I think there's also a lot of people we speak to in terms of reporting that you know, they get a phishing email, they click a link, they, they don't want to walk into a police station and waste the police's time with that. It, it feels insignificant to them, combined with yeah. the fact that they feel a little bit stupid. And so this stuff, they either don't seek help or they don't report it and it doesn't get logged. So at least if they come to us, we can give them an expert view of, okay, you click this link, let's just make sure that nothing else has been enabled as part of that and let's learn what a phishing email is and, you know, what
2: you should look out yeah. for. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm just thinking, um, so I will be doing a podcast with somebody who has done a piece of research on adolescents and why they don't kind of report certain things, you know, for example, the, the, uh, the abuse on Facebook, because sometimes they don't see it as an illegal uh, activity. Um, I'm going to stay away from the moral wrongs and right words. Um, but this is this is also something um, I'm just thinking that, uh, yeah, I liked how you kind of said that there. It feels insignificant. So a lot of people don't actually see the problem with this. But what I think is difficult for some people to understand is actually what looks like something simple on the surface could well be the first layer in to your details and your data and so on and so forth. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's cyber, cyber crime is complex, but I also think yeah. reporting cyber crime is complex. So, if you yeah. think about what we place on an individual in the UK right now, we place, first of all, has a crime been committed? You know, if somebody is threatening you on Facebook or somebody is taking your photos and setting up an account that looks like you and putting silly messages out you try to ask the individual do i think a crime is being committed and should i go to the police and that's a confusing area for a lot of cyber security professionals and lawyers mm-hmm. then you look at actually the point of reporting to the police so with fraud and phishing you go to action fraud if you're a child you go to see up. some with stalking yep. and online harassment you go to the police station it's an emergency call 999 so so actually, there is no one place to report cyber crime or cyber-enabled crime where you can go and say this online thing has happened to me. What should I do? You've kind of got to navigate that yourself and hope that they uh-huh. pick it up and come back and support you.
0: Yeah, and it's it's almost it's almost like um, when I work with the children and young people, some some of them will actually negate what has happened to them. Well, it was only a slap, or it was only actually they only threw a ball of paper at me and versus at, well you see I was taken down an alley and beaten up to within an nth degree of my the, the end of my life yeah. it, it's it's almost like I think sometimes we give a lot of value credence to things that happen to us and I, I I think personally sitting with some of the people in in the therapy room quite often they don't recognize the future impact of the uh, the, the thing that's happened yeah so um, do you that this should be taught in schools, you know, kind of what fishing is. What,
1: yeah, I do, and I, I think that there's a kind of lost generation of people who were the first people on the internet who, you know, it was kind of wild and free and it was mm-hmm. exciting, and you know, all of a sudden you could see how it was going to impact society, all you know, the great stuff. Then, of course, with that came all the negative stuff. But we were kind of learning that firsthand. And I think that, you know, I have a couple of kids and one of them is six going on seven. And I sat in on one of the sessions run by a children's charity recently, which was all about enabling parents to understand what their child's doing online and security. And, I, you know, I thought aiming at parents of six year olds is excellent. You know, it's starting to say, here's some good practices, mm-hmm. things to think about. So I think it's absolutely if you're going to have computers in school and my six-year-old has been using computers in school since his pretty much reception then you've also got to say look these computers we can do these things on them but we've also got to be careful and the impact of that is you know i think it's been really positive for him you know the other day i took a photo and sent up to whatsapp to our family group and he was furious he was kind of like oh you're sharing my personal information and so he's (laughs) little phrases and i had to explain to him it was just a family group and that kind of stuff and so he's got a base concept at the age of six which should be built on as they go through school because sex uh-huh. is, is a much less um risky environment than if you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and you're using chat and you have your own device and you enter into a different environment. So you need to be ready to progress, I think.
0: Absolutely. And the 16 to 25 cohort, which is um, what I'm going to go back, you know, you take them back a little bit in terms of time uh, and they were were kind of like the generation that was introduced to, these are all the rules about the internet after they'd already been using it. So there was something about that. The information for me wasn't sinking in. Yeah. Um, and then there's what, what I tend to call the old hats in terms of those that are at the opposite end of the spectrum that just do not understand technology whatsoever yeah. and I think that's that's what we're kind of dealing with isn't it in terms of the information that we give to people we have to bear in mind there is a whole plethora of um, expertise and skill versus um, being terrified you know the, the idea that if I press this button what will happen will, it, will I break it um, I'm I'm lucky that um I've been using computers since I was about 11 since, or even maybe before that since they came out. So I I'm not frightened of this technology and and it's really interesting when I sit talking to people and I say oh okay so what did you do to protect yourself? I think yesterday there was a conversation on um Facebook where somebody asked for um people to just do her survey in terms of research.
2: Yeah.
0: And I said okay number one let's just take the ethics out of this in terms of, you know, you need to have informed consent, etc etc. et cetera. But GDPR, what are you going to do with this data? Mm. And secondly, I advise people not to click on links. So, you know, what, what we've got in this, this Facebook group at the minute is, oh, I need to do a survey for my research. How do I know that you're who you say you are? Yeah. How do I know that this research is for your university and you're not trying to gain personal information about me, et cetera, et cetera?
1: And that lack of trust... And suspicion comes from working in IT and IT security and understanding (laughs) trying to instill that lack of trust in other people. And so, you know, just because you get an email that even comes from their email account doesn't mean it's from them. And I I think something Mm -hmm. earlier about being terrified by the technology, you know, I see this all of the time, you know, and so we... You can sit down with somebody in their 60s and really quickly they will grasp, you know, how does a submarine submerge? What's the physics of it? How do you get a rocket into space? You know, the basic concepts. The minute you mention uh-huh. the laser, that intelligence just evaporates through fear. So they immediately just <laughs> yeah. think, oh, I couldn't possibly understand that. They're, you know, intelligent people in basic concepts, but because they're not native to it, they haven't grown up with it, and because of the pace of change, it's become so difficult. And I think the cyber the press has a lot to answer for here too, in that we spend a lot of time victim shaming when oh, yeah. companies get hacked. You know, so, you know, a, a bunch of really savvy cyber criminals hack an organisation, steal some data, and it's the company's fault. You know, it's not the fact that they're a victim of crime, you know, they had security controls in place and, and it's an inevitability that you will at some point get breached no matter how good your security is. So mm-hmm. change that message filters down, I think, to individuals who if you get hacked, it's your fault. You've done something you shouldn't have done. You know, you haven't done something you should have done. And so all of those mm-hmm. things together where people think, oh, that was probably my fault. Whereas if somebody stole their wallet outside on the street, you know it's very unlikely they're going to say oh that was my fault I shouldn't have been on the street with my wallet you know so it's trying to get that mindset changed of who is at fault
0: in this situation for me it's the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh the consumerism uh so (laughs) quite often what i will do is talk about my profession again quite often and i will say okay so you can put this this particular product on for your email you can do this for i don't know the software of anti-malware antivirus etc etc you can do this to protect your passwords i think that's what we were talking to jerry about and then what i tend to get asked is yeah but is there a free version and i uh huh. so if i wanted to put some burglar alarms on my house i could go and ask somebody off the street just to guard the house that would be free or i could pay a security guard i know which one i'd choose
2: yeah and and yet
0: what i'm what i'm finding is people do not want to pay out for it
1: yeah and it because i think because of the history of the internet everything's free you know and it mm-hmm. You know, even apps on phones, you know, the whole commercial model has had to become it's free and then add-ons because people just don't... Until. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you, then you've got to realise what you're giving in return for what you're getting. And I think that what I do say to a lot of individuals is actually there is a lot of stuff that is, even in the services and apps that you're using... There's a lot of stuff just in the security settings that is free, like two factor authentication. Uh Uh Uh, You just need to go and be curious about security of the stuff you're using to get that extra layer of protection for free. And then if you want to build on that because of the risk you've got, because of the data you've got, then you've got to go from there and start paying for stuff. But in a company in an organizational environment, you just are going to have to pay to have that privacy and to have those tools, typically, and to have the control of those technologies, so that you can, you know, add those layers of protection.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's that's what I'm starting to see cropping up in terms of um, insurance. So for um, when I go for my. Professional insurance. One of the things I asked was, you know, do you have cyber insurance? And they said, the the company that I'm with, actually, yes. I mean, there's a particular reason why I'm with the company I'm with. And it's because they are pretty tech savvy um, Mm -hmm. and they're pretty GDPR savvy, actually, which is why um, I changed from what I was doing some time ago. And I was speaking to an insurance company and said, you know, do you offer cyber cyber, um, insurance? And they said, yeah. And I said, does that include if a person hasn't got i don't know cybersecurity measures on their pc yeah. and what i got was the kind of mm, well mm, probably not because that's like saying well if if you did nothing to secure your building we would just say well your insurance is null and void And, you know, if you happen to have cyber insurance, but then you check in that you're going on holiday for two weeks and your account's hacked while you're away and you know nothing about it, et cetera, et cetera. Does it actually include that? So I was looking for all these little nuances about, well, what does it actually cover? Um, And again, for my profession, anybody within the healthcare profession, I think it's highly important that we understand if you take out insurance to cover you, actually, you have to put those measures in in the first place.
1: Yeah, totally. And, I, and that's where I think my, in some instances, my victim shaming statement doesn't stand up. Because it does stand up if the company has taken the basic precautions to protect that data. Now, mm-hmm. if, if they haven't, and the security is incredibly low, and they haven't respected that data, then actually, they're quite rightly to be targeted for the poor security they had that led to a breach. And the criminals still at fault because they're the ones who committed the crime. But there's uh, you know lots of regulation and control about how that data's put. It's got to be there. But if you yeah. have that you know if you have that basic protection in place, and you get hacked, then at least you can say to yourself, okay, I put some basic safeguards in for this data, but somebody somebody came after it and got lucky or got mm-hmm. through the defenses I had. So it's I, I think it's for anybody, any organisation, any individual. You've just got to have a think about it and think, you know, one, you've got to remember how, actually how easy and basic a lot of these things are. You know, mm-hmm. medication maybe sounds difficult. Whenever I say it to people, they say, oh, is that the thing where I've got to put a text message in every time? And, you know, and you can, I can say, well, actually, you can just do it once and trust the device. And, you know, so then it becomes really easy. But yep. people just have to, either we have to make the solutions easier so people can use them or we have to educate and let people understand actually your family photos your client data your um you know whatever you put these two extra things in it'll take you five minutes you know you back it up and actually you're protected from 90 percent of what could happen to you out there
0: yeah yeah, and particularly around uh, email. So I've got two FA on pr- probably almost everything to the yeah. point that I was just thinking of the metaphor then. Actually, when I go out of my door, I've got two locks on the door. And then, you know, at the building that I've got gates and da-da-da-da. Actually, yeah, I do two FA in real life. Yeah. Never mind about it, just on the phone. And if I have to put in another text message or key in a number, wow, how much time is that actually going to add to my day in terms of what would happen if the data was leaked or yeah. breached or, yeah.
1: And I think the challenge in cybersecurity is that when a salesperson turns up or the industry as it, you know, develops new technology, and instead of turning up to someone, someone's house who's got one lock and saying, you know, you should really have a second lock, they say, well, we can sell you the CCTV system that you can access from anywhere on an app and, you know, we can put these things on the windows. And actually, what I find is that you go to any security conference and there's lots of talk about technology and what advanced things you can do, but everyone in the room isn't even updating their systems. They don't even have
2: access
1: <laughs> 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 from the big banks right down to the sole traders. Yeah. So it's great to talk about the advanced stuff and the advanced attacks, but actually, if you do the basics and use some common sense, then you're pretty much as secure as you're going to get Without over securing yourself and complicating it to the point where you end up creating more risk in the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah. So actually, I'm just thinking about um, in terms of the Privacy force standard that uh, I've done. There's a lot of information in there about do your thinking has to be around the if and might. You know, mm. so there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking about put yourself into a probability mindset what would I do if this wasn't in place? What would I do if this was in place? What what could happen if I didn't? What could happen if I did? And it's, it's about creating um, that kind of critical thinking so that people can put in the foundational uh, elements. And that then means that once they've done it, pretty much they don't have to keep going back and adding bits and, and changing things. I think the only thing that I find irritating is... Um, so it happened this morning, actually. I've changed uh, the email systems, I've done an update, and then I had to go and get my password generator and sign myself in on my iPhone. And, and I thought, <sighs> but the reason I do that is because it keeps me safe, so this is why I do. It's all to do with, you know, I've paid a lot of money in terms of my iTunes uh, account. I've paid, so it's not just um, I don't want my data hacking, it's actually I've paid a lot of money for this, and yeah. I, don't want, I don't want it stealing.
1: And as you say, it's probability, an impact, and yeah. you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the individuals that we will help in situations, you know, most of them will know they were doing something risky. If you have just met a random stranger <coughs> online on Facebook and on the first video call, she strips off and asks you to strip off. At that point, you know this this doesn't feel right. And so what people don't do in that situation is say, what's the probability that this person is recording this call and I'm just about Uh to get a a request for £2,000 so it doesn't get shared on Facebook?
2: And Uh what would
1: that be if that happens? And because, like most situations, you don't really think about the risks until you experience them. You know, a lot of people in security... They don't really focus on risk or focus on cybersecurity until they've been hacked or had an issue, and then they become super mm-hmm. aware for a period of time. And then, as nothing happens, that kind of slips and security kind of slips back down. And so, I think that just by using a standard like that and thinking through what are the scenarios that you know could have a big impact on us, on mm-hmm. my foundation, on my customers' data, on my clients' data, you know, what's the probability of that happening? And what are the things in there that could minimise the chance of it happening, but minimise the damage? And for us, what do you do when it goes wrong? You know, so if you're a bank, then you've got an instant response policy, you've got an instant response team, you've probably got a relationship with the government. You know, you can parachute in £2,000 a day instant response consultants, and you enact a policy. If you're an individual or a small practice with one or two people you don't have any of that and so when it's yes. horribly wrong that's when you need help
0: yeah well that's usually when i get the phone calls. so i had um so, so i'll get phone calls and emails actually from other therapists and one of them had said to me there's a there's a pop-up box cath and and i think this had gone in that article there's a pop-up box cath and it says that my computer's been hacked what do i do and i said okay just click on the cross in the top corner I said, and totally ignore it. Secondly, have you got any antivirus software? Oh, no, I don't want a virus on my computer, Kath. And I went, OK. Um, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so it was OK, what have you done since buying your computer to help do XYZ? And uh, this was pre the PC world. Um, kind of helpful tactic that they said you know what we'll do is we'll help you get set up and we'll put this this and this security measure on but people don't think about it when it comes to ipads and people don't think about it when it comes to phones and and so in in the um so i'm just thinking i don't want to do the second line first line or second line support kind of thing here so what does the cyber helpline actually do so say i am that person suddenly i've got the pop-up or I've received one of those risque emails, um, which, by the way, I have, I have received one of these uh, phishing emails that said, uh, it really made me laugh, actually. I put it up on social media because it said something along the lines of, we have hacked your webcam and we saw that you were watching pornography and, you know, we saw that you slowly turned your head towards the camera. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, if I was watching something like that, wouldn't I be staring at the camera? Yeah, what what kind of pornography is this? You yeah. know <laughs> so yeah of course because of the way the email was phrased um it made me laugh but the first, i do a couple of checks and yeah it come from a mailing list it blah 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 so it's it's pretty easy for me to spot a lot of things and as i said to jerry in the previous episode they're getting better and better these phishing emails so go back to my question because i went off on a tangent what would i do and how does the cyber helpline help
1: good question so you might, something will happen. It might be you've received one of those emails. It might be you've got a pop-up, something you're not sure about. Um, or it might be something much more sinister where it's very okay, obvious not. something's happened. Um, you would come to us. You'd use our chatbot. You'd explain the situation. The chatbot would say, okay, we think you've received a phishing email. Um, we're going to send you off to a guide which talks you through, step by step, what to do um, okay. it, you think you want to tell if it's a phishing email if you've clicked on a link and um, it's a phishing email or you're in the middle of a cybercrime as a result of clicking on a phishing email. And so in that way, we get to deal with a lot of the kind of um, easier, more standard cases. What we actually do is at every stage of that conversation, offer you an opportunity to speak to a cybersecurity expert. So we either because you, we haven't been able to diagnose your issue at the chatbot level, or you just need some extra help, or you just want to talk to somebody. We have a team of volunteers who are yeah. cybersecurity experts who we have background checked, we've vetted, we've trained. And we, they will jump on the phone with you, they will work over email with you and understand your issue. And they, we operate what's called an assisted self-help model. So we're going to empower you as the victim or the individual to understand what's happened and walk you through the steps and options and decisions that you have to make um, yeah. to recover and it's totally unmetered so some cases take us half an hour some cases like cyber stalking cases we've committed up to a few weeks worth of effort on over a long period of time helping that stalking victim As new things arise and making decisions, helping them make decisions. So basically, we are a team of free instant response cybersecurity volunteers who are helping individuals and sole traders in the UK deal with something happening to them online where they need expert help injected. Um, And right now in the UK, there's a complete gap in that support if you can't afford to pay for it.
0: Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, I think that was really interesting, actually, when, when I was looking at your, your slides in terms of um, when we were at the Place Cyber Conference, wasn't it? And, and I was really curious, actually, at the end of it, you said very rarely do we actually speak to people because the bot does most of the work for people and then obviously they can go and find a step by step helping helping them sort it out themselves and you know never never having to speak about it to a fellow human.
2: Yeah. Which
0: might which might be um something for me that that's really helpful for adolescents who are less likely to go and speak to somebody about something. So I'm I'm just thinking about um the the number of topics that you've got on there. So do you want to kind of talk about so cybercrime again, massive topic. But what you've just mentioned there is versus, I don't know, cyber stalking versus um, your email's been hacked or phishing or ad click or whatever it is. So yeah. how, how, does the, how does the bot work in terms of its thinking, its algorithms, and, but without going into too, too much technical detail?
1: Yeah. So if you think about all of the different ways that you can experience an online security issue or an online cybercrime, it's really, really varied. From having your Facebook account hacked to being cyber stalked, to being cyber bullied, to getting some malicious software. So there's a whole rape. So what we did when we first started the project is we sat down and we mapped out thirty-five different categories of cyber attack that an individual mm-hmm. will face. And So we used a bunch of cybersecurity experts who were volunteers who had worked in that industry to map out what are all the different ways you'll get targeted. For each of those attacks, we had to map out um, what are the symptoms that the individual will experience um, and an official kind of taxonomy of what those symptoms are, like they get a ransom note, but also then a list of keywords for how would an individual describe getting a ransom note. Because one of the problems in cybersecurity is that you spend so much time with the language and acronym <coughs> world yeah. of cybersecurity that you forget, people describe things in a totally different way if you don't understand yeah. ID. So we map out those symptoms, we map out how they might have been exploited, because they might explain that to you in the chatbot, you know, I click the link. Um, we map out how they can recover, because again, somebody might say, I think I've got a virus, I've run a malware scan. And so, therefore, they will know some things they've tried to do. But we also map out what device might they have been on, what account might they have used, names Mm -hmm. of malicious software, for example, that are often used in ransom notes. Um, So we put all of that together, along with the keywords that describe every single step of those, and we basically plug that into the chatbot's brain. And we say, okay, here's... 35 different kinds of attack. Here's the official things that can happen each stage. Here's how people might describe it. And we have a scoring weighting system that allows us to make a judgment on which type of attack is this individual trying to explain. Um, Yes. Now, it's complex because um, people describe things in really funny ways. um, And so we have to constantly learn and update the chatbot. Um, It has to do some learning itself but also because it's very rare that it's just one thing. You know, all my email's been hacked. Yes. Because yeah. your email's been hacked, they've then taken some photos out of there, they've then got into your Facebook account, and now they're trying to get into your bank account. You know, so there's lots of different issues in there. So the chat box yes. is able to say, okay, I think this is your issue, but I also think these two other things are relevant to your case, so let's talk about those 2 um, mm-hmm. So, we've designed it in a way that if you think about it, those keywords to describe the official things in cybersecurity is the way the chatbot communicates in plain English. You describe it in plain English, we convert it into cybersecurity language, then convert it back into plain English to talk to you about what's happened. Um, And so, the great thing about the chatbot is it's 24 7, it's immediate it's pretty accurate. So about 70, 75% of our cases are dealt with and correctly diagnosed by the chatbot and it's anonymous. So, you know, there's been lots of studies about chatbots and people will be much more honest and share much more when they don't think there's a human on the other side, kind of judging them and thinking about what they've done.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So (laughs) cool for us because it gives us this real access point for them to be secure enough to share it with us for the chatbot to do its thing and to give them a completely automated way to solve the problem Mm -hmm. but be able to say okay if you want to speak to someone we're going to take that description you put into the chatbot share that with the volunteer and so you've got that honest account of what's happened and you're able to work from that and and dive into it a bit deeper Um, yeah and the thing the key thing i think in that area is that with quite a lot of cybercrime you don't have a lot of time you know if you've got ransomware if you if you've got what we call content for ransom someone saying you know revenge porn i'm going to share this video of you if you don't do this within 10 hours you know so reporting to the police and waiting 30 days just doesn't cut it you need that fast injection of expertise yes. and so that's yeah. the big role of the
2: chatbot.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you picked up on the time perspective there, because that's, that's the trauma that most people uh, discuss in my therapy room,
2: Yeah. is
0: actually, it's the fact that in cyberspace, um, and, and I usually you talk about the, the Madonna meme, in terms of when she fell on the stage, less than seven minutes later, and it was already going viral, but yeah. It's not just the sharing of the video. People had already done adaptations on, on the, the, the video itself. Some of them were hilarious. <laughs> but that's what I say to people. Seven minutes for something to go viral. So imagine how quickly things need to, re, to kind of be responded to, dealt with. And, you know, for, for young people, they understand this principle because seven minutes in cyberspace is an eternity.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and the impact of seven minutes can be devastating. Yes, and, yeah. And so I, I really do think that, you know, so I read the National Cybersecurity Strat- Strategy when it came out in 2016, and it's an 80-page document with lots of great stuff in it. And, there's, and I was reading it through the lens of what are we doing for ordinary people on the street to help them? And there was mm-hmm. one sentence that just said, you know, members of the public have to take personal responsibility for their own security. So the National Cybersecurity Strategy says, you're on your own. We're going to put all this stuff in place. We're going to help business. We're going to yeah. start these innovation centers. But if you're an individual, you don't really care yourself, which just isn't good enough. Because uh-huh. the, if you think like that at a strategic level, and you think about the resourcing, the funding that the police need to be able to respond quickly and effectively, they just haven't got it because in seven minutes your life can you know be in the balance and, and this is uh existential threat for some people some people do commit yes. seriously because of what's happened online and because of the shame yes. or abuse or bullying and so if you think like that at a strategic level and you fund the police and the response to the level you do you can't expect an immediate effective response of cyber expertise because it mm-hmm. doesn't and so what we're trying to do with the cyber help plan is fill that gap so that until the rest of the, you know, law enforcement and government infrastructure catches up, we can at least give a safety net to people in that yeah. time window as, as best as we can, essentially.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking um, in terms of, as you were talking then, a, a post I saw on Facebook yesterday, I do love watching um, uh that certain groups in terms of what what actually happens in the group and somebody made a a, a very contentious statement and it kind of and i think the phrase is it blew up right mm-hmm. um i was waiting i was waiting for the meme that comes up going well that escalated quickly didn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: you
0: know, there was something about was um wow in, and in terms of and I, i'm just thinking here uh, the way that people feel victimized in uh cyberspace is actually it might be an innocuous comment and i think who was it talked about this was it john ronson yes john ronson in um so you've been shamed yes and it was about that text message that the lady sent kind of got herself on the plane and when she got off at the other end it had gone viral and people were attacking her and so on and so forth the same as monica lewinsky in terms of what happened with with her photographs and and so on. it's very very fast and, and this is what I think, um, A, is why I'm trying to teach my profession about this is why cyberspace needs to be critically the foundation of what we now train to, to deal with. Because, you know, we've gone from the corporeal world. Um, we've gone from a lot of the theories that say, well, this is how you deal with shame or this is how you deal with, actually, and this is where my phrase cyber trauma comes from, how do you deal with that when it keeps repeating yeah. for the rest of that person's
2: life? Yeah.
0: How, do you, you know, how do you deal with something that you think's gone and then suddenly, I don't know, you, you're on Facebook one day and somebody pops up a picture and the next thing is, is what happened to you as a child just re-begins?
1: Yeah, totally. And I, So I think one of the big concerns we had really early in the cyber helpline was that you know, we're a bunch of cybersecurity people who are going to be really tempted to jump into the technology aspect of these things. You know, how, can you
2: mm-hmm.
1: how can you recover that account? And what we've had to work really hard in is actually how do we acknowledge and deal with the emotional impact in these cases. And, and so I think one of the, one of the things we took on one of our directors, Anna, who's a, a paediatrician, you know, she works in community paediatrics, does a lot of safeguarding and child protection. You know, just to give us that view of safeguarding victims, but how do you provide some emotional support and understand the aspect of risk there in that case? Now, where We are more like a, a kind of triage for that. Like, we're not experts in it. You know, we can't solve uh-huh. that problem. But we're <coughs> able to spot those issues. And I think that the danger with things online, and particularly where individuals share content they should not And I saw the the NSPC video. I saw your Willie recently. And I think it's excellent because I think it just gets home how something innocent at the time can become completely um, a nightmare for an individual. And I think that if you share that information, it's out there, it's online. You know, no matter Mm -hmm. what, there's probably a copy of it somewhere. And so I just think that how you deal with that ongoing, you know, recovering a Facebook account, fine if someone's taken something really personal from your Facebook account from a private message and they have that piece of content forever and they can use it over you, that's a very, very different situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And actually I'm not going to go into that conversation uh, with, with you here. That's, that's one that I think I'll be doing a podcast on with somebody else, you know, about what, what happens when we get to that stage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? And I'm totally going to ignore that phone call at the moment. So there's there's a, there's a an interruption in technology, isn't there? <laughs> right. So I'm just looking at the time here, Rory, and, you know, uh, we need to kind of be wrapping this up. So I'm going to put the details of the Cyber Helpline into the show notes. And we're, um, obviously we'll be putting this out on social media and kind of saying to people, actually, now you've got somewhere to go to fix the problem. Um so, is there anything else you'd like people to know about the Cyber Helpline or what you do? Um, and I'm just thinking here, uh, actually, you had quite a few volunteers at the, the Cyber Conference, didn't you? Where people were saying, oh, how do we volunteer? Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there anything
1: else you would like people to know about? I think generally that the great thing about the Cyber Helpline is it's free, it's completely impartial. You mm-hmm. know, sponsored by, we don't have our own security technology that we're reselling. Um, It's completely confidential and it's immediate. So if something happens, then you need expert help and advice. You want it to be confidential. You want some guidance on what you should do. Then we have a team of expert volunteers who will completely, in a non-judgmental way, listen to what's happened and provide you with best practice and what you should do and support you through those steps. So you'll know, never feel ashamed of coming forward. Feel free to use the chatbot can be completely anonymous, but the service exists and you know, you're know more than welcome to use it. And if you do, and I imagine a lot of your listeners have expertise in cybersecurity or IT or dealing with victims of mm-hmm. cyber crime and you want to come and help out or you're interested, then you know, go to the website, we have a page all about volunteering. You know, we work in a completely remote model, give time when you can. So we're more than happy to discuss extra people coming on to come and help us out.
0: Super duper. And I'm I'm actually going to say, so this this is now for all of those people I have replied to over the past year. When I send you a message saying your account has been hacked or your email has been hacked, please go to Rory's helpline and go and <laughs> find out what you need to do.
2: Yeah.
0: Because um, I, I quite often get that where I'll get an email from somebody and I look and go, uh-uh. Send him a message, uh, you've been hacked. How do you know that, Kath? because well, you just didn't send that email. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> that's definitely. that's come from yeah. Oh and mailing lists.
1: Yeah. Interesting. That's how most companies find out they've been breached. Somebody else tells them.
2: Um
0: Yeah yes yeah and and that's been um something because it's really interesting about whether i do send that email or not or whether i say to people but quite often um and i think it was uh, when i spoke with Jerry, that i'm sick of seeing these posts uh, don't open that link from me okay <laughs> I, i'm at the stage going do we really need to be told not to open a link actually yes i think we do
1: yeah <laughs> that, that's what a lot of people do when they get to a stage where you know, they've had a threat of sharing something like, you know, sex or webcam blackmail. Yeah. Try and say, I've been hacked, don't click on it. And um the problem is, like we you know, people always click on the link. <laughs> so you've just got to do the preparation to understand that's gonna happen and how you're gonna deal with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, Rory. And uh, you know, um, I'm I'm glad we met actually at the the conference and you know, I can now point people in terms of, I'm just thinking the privacy for thing here, whilst it doesn't say go to, actually there's going to be something about, this is the only place to go get help at the moment. So this is where you need to go when, when it goes wrong. So um, whatever I named Jerry's, I think it might've been something like, you know, it's not if, when, Uh, and this is, uh, and and now what? Yeah,
1: when, what to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Thank you very much for your time.
1: No, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.